Hello, everybody, and welcome to Detention. That's right, you are stuck in detention with me, your favorite co-host, the Caleb G. And I, today I have brought along with me some voices you know and love from our actual play, faculty members Scott and Matthew. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how, how are, are you guys? Kids out? Oh. That was perfect. Let's do it at the same time. <laughs> Howdy, all you kids out there in Radio Land. Hi. Welcome back. That is the creepiest detention voice I've ever heard. You should be very proud. <laughs> Thanks. That, that's going to be the bumper for every episode. For this any nominated show? Well, this is, this is the offshoot, so who knows? Yeah, exactly. All right, Professor Crunch, you called us here into detention. What do you got for us? I hope it's spanking. All righty. Oh, it's it might be. I mean, that's ap- that's that's the academy after hours. We're not recording that yet. Oh, we can't do that until we have video capability. Yeah, that, yeah that's that that's still on RedTube only. Patron only. Yeah, patron- All the more reason, kids. <laughs> patron only. Get your mommy's and daddy's permission. Uh, only eighteen or older apply. So, what do you have in store for us today, Professor Crunch? Alrighty, so in detention today, we are going to be talking about our uh, three main topics here in this show. Uh, extracurricular activities, used books, and class review. So uh, let's start with extracurricular activities. Uh, this is about what we're doing outside of the RPG Academy and the RPG Academy Network. Uh, you know... I'm playing a hell of a lot of Pokemon Go. <laughs> I, I can't help it. It's it's a problem. I've heard quite a lot about those Pokemon or Pokeman. Um, the plural? Is, is the plural appropriate? Is it Pokemon? Are there it's, several yes, men who are Pokemon? Yes, there are several men who you who you can be poke or be poked by. Uh, now, Wait. this is not an, a gender integrated group. It are, are, are the Poke women no, separate? They are they all, like they all just uh, identify subsentient? as are they sessile creatures? They're yeah. they're like uh, trees or something that that have eggs deposited into them or something. I I don't I don't it's understand. A, it, it's a it's a it's a it's not a hard and fast rule. It's a like a loosey goosey type of thing, you know. Hmm. Sort of like Pokemon reproduction. Good, good, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Excellent. They're they're all so, eggs, you know. Everyone's got eggs. So tell me about this game, fellas. Well, it is a uh, a mobile game for. Uh, Apple and Android. It is made by the same company that made Ingress, and it is based on that same geotagging operational system. Like, they're same exact. Like, they just transferred over the information and then added Pokemon. (laughs) As in, it is the exact same game, only with Pokemon instead of green and blue guys fighting. Yeah. And and I think that's how Ingress worked. I don't remember. You don't No, No, there wasn't even fighting. Like it was literally just like, you know what Tron looked like. That's that's what it was. Or, original Tron. Original yeah, Tron? original Tron, where it was just like a structure of like one like color, but like only in silhouette, not even silhouette, in like um, uh, armature. It was like you would get within a certain thing, and you'd be able to attack that structure, and that would give you goodies, and you could use those goodies to attack it next time, but you couldn't attack it until like the the cooldown was. It was. Uh, I... So it's a lot simpler and a lot more colorful with crazy G 
Japanese inspired evolving creatures. Critters, yeah. Oh, Pokemon. Sounds like and, fun. Uh, and as we have learned, it is much better played in urban cities and not out in the middle of nowhere where I live. Mm. So at a Catacon 1, or I'm sorry, Catacon Year 2, we would have found no Pokemans. Yes, a, a Catacon in the middle of uh, the Houston Woods Lodge, it would have been nothing. Would have been zero Pokemon. Ever. Yeah, because A, there was no signal, and B, there was no signal. So as as a naive observer and designated old fart for this particular sequence, I, I have to ask, <laughs> what happens once you've collected them all? Does anyone know yet? I mean, is is, is there any game in addition to collecting them? What What do you do? If if you find them at the gym and you pick them up like Tinder dates or grinder dates, we should say probably. If you find wow. them at the gym and pick them up, wow. then then they they just come home with you and, and like then they're on your phone forever and you just try and ignore them. That's pretty much the same thing, right? Um, well, it's funny that you bring up Tinder and Grinder because Pokemon Go has actually become its own dating site, its own dating app because. Uh, you find people of like interests, Pokemon Go players, uh, congregating together. And if one was interested, one could find a date rather easily to Pokemon. So, Matthew, I hear yes. that you're happily married. Tell yes. me more about that. I got my wife to play Pokemon Go, and we had a lot of fun. Oh, <laughs> Did you meet a third party to, to, that plays Pokemon Go with you? Maybe another couple? Is is that how this is going? Oh, there's there's definitely another couple playing Pokemon Go with us, and another uh, couple individual guys, and some of my friends. It's a it's a good time. It's it's not like go swinging. It's like a go party. Do, do you put yeah, all your exactly. Pokemon in a bowl when you come? Yep. And then you yep. like and then catch we a pick random out, one on your way yep. out. And then if someone picks out my Charmander, I go home with them. Cool. So so how do you make them fight? <laughs> uh, some locations are gyms, which are like the gyms from the original game except in the fact that they're not controlled by an AI. They're controlled by players and their strong Pokemon that take over said gyms. And then once your Pokemon occupies the area, they can be challenged by rival teams Pokemon for control of said gym. So my impression is that there are only two teams, Republican and Democrat. Is that yes, correct? Republican, Democrat, and then Whig. That's the third team. There's a wig party. Oh, good. Yes. Well, I'm I'm glad everyone likes to to kick the the tiny guy while he's down. <laughs> Excellent. So so are are you shooting for the the blue asses? Is, is that uh, no? I'm I'm, a, I'm a wig. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry for you. Keep on trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. But uh, it, it is pretty cool as a game because you just start seeing random people walking around the park or downtown, and you. You can hear them playing the game. You can watch them playing the game. That is so it creepy. Is, it, yeah. It is a little bit creepy, but it's really interesting as a social dynamic mm-hmm. because you've got people who typically want to stay home and play video games are now making plans to go take walks downtown in the park to play a video game. And you've got this interesting kind of tool to create a context for interaction and conversation where there normally wouldn't be one. If I'm out in public, I always avoid people. But now I see people playing the game, and it's it's a quick, oh, hey, did you get something? Or, hey, is there something in the area? It's just a really cool way to break the ice. It's, a, it's an interesting evolution of the social dynamic of what used to be a one-player in-your-house video game 
and is now a, well, geez, I need to plan when I can go for a walk to play this video game. Fancy. Yes, I've had plenty of interactions with uh, like strangers that I would never have had if I wasn't playing Pokemon Go. Like, for instance, I was walking down in Port Jefferson and I was walking across a crosswalk and some guy goes, yo, Team Yellow. And I go, hell yeah. And he goes, yeah, man. And he peeled out of the parking lot. That was it. Good, good. So, I would have so, never uh, had that interaction. Have either of you been mugged yet? Is is that uh, a thing? I, I hear that, that, that they're luring you into dark alleys and then taking your Pokeballs or fondling them. I don't I don't know. Well, you know what? I think it's common sense. If you are out in a strange part of town, if it's late at night, don't just wander into a random place because the thing on your screen tells you to do it. Unless now, it's a uh, fucking Charizard, then you go. Then you fucking go. Well, yeah, go. if it's a fucking Charizard, <laughs> you absolutely. Go. Consequences be damned. So have either of you guys paid for a Pokemon tour? With with uh, I've, I've heard that, that private drivers, like Uber drivers, are, are yeah. offering deals online of, of like, you know, some fixed price and I will take you to all the Pokemon hunts. No, that's what uh, that's my wife is for when she drives and then I hold both phones and then I play Pokemon twice while she's oh. driving. That's how I caught a Snorlax and a Beedrill. And I caught a Pidgeot during an improv show, so they're there. Efficiency, efficiency. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty good. So that's that's me and Matt. What about you, Scott? What have you been doing <laughs> over in uh, non Pokemon world? Yeah. Ah, uh, let's see. You've been playing I've, Digimon. I've been... Yes, yes. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, checking my 401k. I'm complaining about my back pain. You know, the typical things of the generation that clearly isn't you guys. No. I uh, actually, I'm I'm running a home campaign, and uh, currently we're 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 playing a city watch campaign, which I think has has been really satisfying so far. It gives us a lot of opportunities to play funny police tropes, right? They have an angry police chief who's always on them to do it by the book, and and that they they've uh, become really embedded with the the society around the town, which I've really enjoyed. And uh, so far, I've been trying but utterly failing to uh, come up or or find some mechanics. To make the watch organization like an actual organization, give it its own character sheet or rules, and allow them to try and advance it together rather than advancing each of their characters individually. That's what's up with me. Cool. I like that. I think that adds an interesting level to the choices you make at uh, at your game. Obviously, playing with police tropes is always fun. The procedural drama is ripe with... Is it ripe or rife? Both. Uh, ripe? Yeah. Both? Either? Either? Either, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of police tropes. There's a lot of procedural drama tropes. Oh, yeah. And and they bleed into fantasy so well, right? The the Infernal Affairs Department is fantastic. I mean, animal (laughs) control requires level two or three battle gear, right? There's, there's, uh, (laughs) there's a lot going on. The the, the coroner has to find smite. That's, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good old time. There's a, you know, a, a, uh, the coroner's office has an enforcement division. Because the dead should stay dead. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good old time. I like that a lot. That is very cool. So uh, that was extracurricular. Uh, let's switch over to used books. So the used books segment. This is where we bring up ideas from campaigns that have ended, died, never finished, never gotten off the proverbial drawing board. And we bring this up to mourn our lost loves, to 
share things that went wrong or just to throw out ideas that you guys can use in the future. So who wants to go first? Who wants to bring up a a uh, a failed campaign here? I have so many. <laughs> so can, many. Can pick one. I'm trying. <laughs> I've got a good one if uh if yeah, you want to start us off. That. If you're ready. All right, so this is a campaign that I prepared for uh, my home group here in uh, Northeast Ohio. We wanted to play, but we didn't want to struggle with the rigors of an ongoing campaign and our, our schedules possibly not lining up to play regularly. So we wanted to do something that was potentially episodic in nature. So we could jump in play a little bit in this world, jump back out, and and just see what happened. So we we started thinking about television shows we liked. Obviously, Supernatural came up right away. And we talked about a Supernatural game, or Supernatural-style game, but still in a fantasy world. So the concept of normal people dealing with the supernatural normal people without crazy magical abilities normal people without uh, extraordinary skill dealing with beings that are in possession of those things so you're playing cthulhu yes but fantasy setting and not 1920s detective oh my god there's a squeepy squamacy porous thing like like a high fantasy setting was was magic super abundant and they were just pig farmers uh well here's what we did i created a world i did everything homebrew basically it was a high fantasy world and then there was an apocalyptic event and for an unknown reason the apocalyptic event destroyed or mutated or changed or made very difficult to access all arcane and divine magic. So we still had people that were very capable of doing things physically and based in their own knowledge and skill. Uh, fighters, rogues, rangers, ninjas, people that were simply paragons of physical prowess. And then you had the sorcerer who was basically playing a level 5 commoner hanging out with them. Well, this the stipulation was that uh, no one could pick a divine or arcane class. There we go. And because I wanted to make things kind of interesting and unique, my framework for this world was that there were basically two cities left on opposite ends of the globe, so to speak. Uh, one of them was a... Uh, typical Eastern trope fantasy setting where there were samurai and ninja and things like that. The other was the typical high fantasy setting, farmers, commoners, kingdoms, castles. So we kind of had Camelot on one end and feudal Japan on the other. And in between the two, the... Uh, the the land, the world, had been completely destroyed by this apocalyptic event, uh, and it became this wasteland that was nigh impossible to cross. It was riddled with 
holes and tunnels and pits that just went down infinitely dark. Uh, it was a little bit like quicksand, a little bit like sinkholes. If you walked on the fragile earth, it might break out from underneath you. Uh, and of course, it was filled with plagues of mutated, crazy monsters. And uh, that was the environment I created. The game then was supposed to be, hey, here's some survivors. You've been living in this hollowed, burned out husk of a world. What are we doing this week? So we wanted to have typical monster of the week episodes, so to speak. And then possibly we would work in some overall plot arcs of, hey, this NPC keeps showing up. I wonder why. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think we ever played more than one session. So uh, I'm, I'm sure all the folks at home have been listening through your extremely detailed, uh, really rich universe and just dying to hear the punchline of how you fucked it up. So for my sake and the kids at home, Caleb, how'd you fuck it up? Uh, I did not keep everyone committed to our gameplays. <laughs> It, it was basically the, hey, let's have a session. Awesome. That was a great Saturday afternoon. When do you guys want to play next? Well, I'm working next weekend. Weekend after, I've got to do the kid's birthday party. Well, let's let's try for the Wednesday following. Oh, I, I got a bail. Something came up. Oh, damn it. I got sick. All right. Well, let's just try for next week. So so given that it was uh, episodic, um, could you have played with, with uh, partial uh, players or, or 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 did you never have enough to go that was the theory uh, i i think in in my mind i i thought this was something i could have done with oh hey only two of us are here fine let's just jump in you wandered off you did something else do you want to make a different character to be in a different part of the world but it i i i take full responsibility for the the death of this campaign because i did not keep everyone on task and and i think if i had pushed a little bit harder and said hey well if we can't all make it who can make it i really want to try this xyz thing let's just get together let's just knock it out for an hour let's just do something so that that's that one's on me guys i'll own up to that one nah we're sure you did good but uh keeping a group of regular <laughs> players on hand is, is always a challenge yeah, I will. Yeah. I will relate from my, the the last time I ran my um, City Watch campaign. Uh, we usually have five players. We uh, I, I thought I'd only have three, but only two showed. And I'm, I, you know, if if I'd known it was only going to be two, I would have canceled. But they were already online. Everybody was kind of ready, and I said, "Well, we'll see." And it ended up being a surprisingly great session. Um, the characters, uh, they you know, were playing fifth uh, edition D and D, right? So, so they thought they would be horribly underclassed for all the combats, and so they avoided all fights and they just took care of a bunch of side quests that the city watch had. Like they had an ongoing quest to furnish the chief's office, right? And so they like went to a furniture place that was near in the neighborhood, and they met some contacts and they negotiated for prices, and then they realized that they didn't have any money, right? They'd never been given money for this, and so they go to City Hall and they had like sleuth around and negotiate for like a you know a writ, a requisition form for for money, and then they ended up getting one signed that was blank, and that's how we left it off on a cliffhanger of what do they do with the blank signed requisition form? Is it guilt or is it party time? Who who knows who wins? And uh, the both the players reported they really, really enjoyed it. It was kind of a break of pace. They they got to 
they they feel like the the town felt more vibrant and alive because of these side interactions. So uh, you know what I what I would have tossed aside as a garbage session, we played anyway, and it turned out to be fun. So you know, here's encouraging uh, you and the kids at home to surprise yourselves with what you can do with whomever shows up. And I think that was also a, a '90s movie, Blank Check. So you. Just- <laughs> We just we just brought it back. We brought it back. That's awesome. We had a session like that with Rod Iron, where we uh, we were all there, but nothing was getting done. And I think it was an hour in, and we had what uh, five minutes of usable audio, and oh, yeah. we all had peed our pants at least once. And we were like, you know what? Should we just call it? And then we we're like, no, we'll make it work, and we did. Yeah, yeah, that was that. That ended up being a good session. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I was reminded of that session too while Caleb was was telling his story because uh, I feel like he's often trying to marshal him along, and now I know the inner pain, the scars that drive him to push us toward action and activity. <laughs> that he's is. lost campaigns due to uh, around fuckery. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let's take that transition to stop fucking around and oh. move on to our. Final segments here today, uh, and this is class review. So in class review, we are going to select a class from the uh, available choices out there, and we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about what we like about it, what we don't like about it, uh, different things to do with it. We're going to talk about different ways, different mechanical systems handle a similar concept and uh we're probably going to bounce uh between genres here we're going to see how even different games handle something of a uh a a similar choice a, a similar class ability focus so to kick things off here for class review we're going to go pretty typical and standard let's talk about fighters the class bully Hey, the, hey, uh, hey, 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 what if he's an upstanding guy? He could be the class chevalier. Yeah, yeah. What if he's Little Mac? Huh? You know, I don't judge however you want to do it. Mario's a fighter. So I'll go ahead and open with uh, a strong, fervently stated, and baseless opinion. And that's that I love the 5th edition fighter. I love everything about it. I love both of the options given in the basic book. I love the the really basic option that just gives you a higher crit range. That's fun. It's engaging. It's really easy and requires absolutely no mindfulness when leveling up. I love the, the combat maneuver version that gives you basically spells in a spell dice pool, right? That, that you can use to really tactically slant yourself and, and, and fill out a role or a niche. I feel like this uh, fighter can play extremely well ranged. I feel like this fighter can play... Um, at least half, well, maybe, I feel like the, the fighter in 5e can play a third of the classes in the basic 5e book better than they can. Wow. Like Ranger. Fighter makes a better Ranger than than uh, Ranger <laughs> does. And there's also the third archetype in 5e where you actually get spells. Arcane spells, and you're uh, uh, a, mm. almost a, a spell slinger, a spell singer. The Eldritch Knight. Hey, Eldritch Knight, that's what I was thinking. You no, know, there are plenty of ways to play this game wrong. If you're having fun, you're doing it right enough for you. <laughs> and that's the Michael is saying. All right, so Scott, why do you think 
the fighter is an appealing class beyond simply the uh, unique choices and uh, what you described there with your opinion about the fighter. What makes it fun to play a fighter? I think, um, especially in 5e, the addition of backgrounds really opened up the fighter to a lot more creativity. That, um, you know, a part of the reason I'd see players uh, in older editions choose a cleric is because they wanted to choose someone with a priestly background, right? Or you'd choose a ranger because you wanted someone who liked the forest. The fact that now you can get all of that out of fighter, you, you, you can get the, the hermit fighter, you can have the noble fighter, you can have the, the thief rogue fighter who has proficiency in thieves tools and not unreasonable skill ranks at it, right? You can have the, the social suave fighter who's, who, um, you know, convinces everybody about stuff. You can have the, the musician fighter. I think the that trait, um, maybe on its own, makes the 5e fighter uh, mechanically what it is in 5e. That, it, that it's a great base set of rules that make you uh, uh, an unbelievable hulk, an unstoppable conundrum of, of damage and massacre, um, where you can either have the fewest choices in the system or possibly arguably the most choices, because not only do you get maneuvers, but you also get the most feats if you guys are using feats. So I think it's a big ball of fun. All right. Uh, I can't disagree with any of those opinions. I, I think you're spot on there. Uh, what about you, Matthew? What uh, What is appealing about a fighter? What do you think makes it a an interesting class? I mean, I, I'm a I'm a fighter fan. I, I enjoy fighters. Um, probably, uh, I'd say probably a good forty to fifty percent of the characters I've ever played are probably fighters. Um, they might be like um, special fighters. Maybe they were minotaur fighters or something, but I think they were still fighters. Um, you know, you got all the weapons, you got all the the damage, and and you don't have to worry about like uh, sneaking around or magic points or uh, how many spells did I count today? You know, it's just like, oh, this weapon still works. I'm gonna keep swinging it until I'm not able to swing it anymore. And then I'm gonna go to sleep and then wake up the next day and do it again. So you appreciate the fact that fighters are clear-cut and straightforward in their party role and abilities. Yes, but you can also, obviously, like Scott said, you can make them as uh, interesting and fancy as you want. If you want to make a samurai, you can do that with the fighter. You know, if you want to make a... Uh, um, God, a bruiser, you know, uh, like a bouncer, you can do that with a fighter. Well, they, they come with the most feats of any class. You want to make a ritual caster who has a familiar, right? right? You, two feats will get you that. Yep. Uh, well, one feat, really, because familiar is also a ritual casting. Um, yeah, I, I think there. If, if, if you want to play a fighter who has, uh, you know, demonic uh, powers and takes a lot of borrows mm -hmm. from the warlock spell list, you, you, you can do that. Yep. If you want to play a fighter that doesn't wear armor and, and, and barely remembers her weapon and, and just like just basically punches people a lot if oh wait oh okay never mind i see what i was doing here yeah 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 <laughs> My, michael uh could, could use a little well anyway we're not the ones who should be in detention yeah exactly. that's that's all we're saying i think that we were sent that's here true. uh erroneously i think that's the word well you know the uh, the academy doesn't always run on a fair judicial system. Oh, that's for shit sure. Uh, a <laughs> little bit of more of a dictatorship than uh, democracy than a, than a democracy. <laughs> well, so so what do you guys know about fighters in other systems? 
to any spring to mind is, is fun or visceral. Uh, I remember when we played Faith, I uh, played basically a fighter archetype, and I really enjoyed that in that system. I don't remember what I played with Faith. You played a, like a spellcaster equivalent. I, yeah, you, was, you, you, you could make was, low rolls yeah. good. You're like a bard or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I enjoyed having just a big assault <clears throat> rifle and hauling off on dudes and throwing grenades and stuff. That was exciting. Yeah, you were the clone. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was the clone trooper. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, obviously, I think we've covered D and D, but with covering five E, I mean, I know the other editions are different, but they're not. They're not that different, right? We can we can agree on that. We're not going to go yeah. well in fourth, uh, and in three point five, and then there's Pathfinder. So we're just oh. going to say D twenty D and D systems kind of been covered, and then we'll try to move on from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair okay. enough. Um, so I played a lot of Werewolf the Apocalypse when I was uh, growing up. And the thing about that game is that everyone's a fighter <laughs> because you could become a werewolf and you just beast on anything. So, you know, even if you Everybody's were like, that yeah, even if you were the Gilliard, which was like the bard of the werewolves, you could still destroy things. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> there, there were no glass cannons. <laughs> yeah, no. Everyone was an iron yeah, and steel there, cannon. Yeah, there was no glass cannons in that game. It was just kind of like, how bad do you want to kill things? It's it, like playing an all-mountain dwarf campaign. Everyone's <laughs> in full armor and has surprisingly good hit yeah, points. Yeah, it, it was basically like, uh, it boiled down to which form does your character take when it's kicking ass, that's the that's the kind of thing you're building. Do you go straight on to Krynos form and you're just half man, half wolf, nine feet tall, just tearing through people? Do you like to be a dire wolf? Do you like to be a tiny wolf? Do you like to do it with, as a man with some guns? So that, that's basically how that game worked. Um, I also have some experience with IKRPG, Iron Kingdom's role-playing game. And the fighters in that game are pretty badass you know, it's a pretty brutal game. Like, if you get hurt, you're dead. Like, healing is very uh, long and arduous in that, and there's not much magical healing. So, uh, if you could deal out the damage, great. But once you take that damage, you're dead. <laughs> so, they have a bunch of fighter uh, archetypes in that game. You would get two classes in that game. So, they have the pugilist, the man-at-arms, the the knight, uh, blah, 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 blah. blah something else it's a good variety yeah so you can combine any number of classes together or well not any number but two classes together to make your own unique character and uh kick some ass I, that way i do vividly remember one fighter i played in uh a gurps technomancer game uh for those of you who are not familiar gurps is, is really a 90s tastic uh i'm a, i mean they have later editions that i have not played but it was really a 90s tastic point by system where you could play anything and thus character creating a character take three hours but um i, I played a, a fighter archetype in the technomancer setting which is modern day plus magic it's a great setting if you haven't read the campaign book it's fantastic i highly recommend it but um i really enjoyed that because traditionally in gurps you everyone's a glass cannon like you said right you have 10 hit points and your guns right do 8d6 damage right you're gonna plow through people <laughs> but uh <laughs> given that it was technomancer <laughs> and that it's a point by system i uh put you know, some unimaginable amount of my points, like 30 or 40% of my points of my entire character, into one spell that made me immune to bullets all the time. 
And then I, I, uh, we, we had funding from the CDC, which in this universe is, uh, you know, tasked with destroying vampires and the undead and all kinds of exciting stuff. And so I had a big machine gun with depleted necronium rounds, which were magic resistant, and I could just pump round after round right into the chest of anything. It was, it was, a, that was a really fun character. Highly <laughs> recommend it. And that was a fighter for you. Yeah, yeah. Th- okay. It was 100 percent a damage dealing character. All it did was shoot and stand there. That, that's all it did. Perfect. It's like a, yeah, Perfect. yeah. Well, I, I think with all of these examples here, we've we've gone over a lot of what makes the fighter interesting. On one level, they're very straightforward. They're the tanks. They soak up damage. They deal damage. They're easy to understand as a concept. And in my mind, that's why they are kind of the default if you've never played a role-playing game before if you're not familiar with the high fantasy genre it's easy to understand a fighter because mm-hmm. you're a dude or a gal with armor muscles and weapons mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to think about well how do i role play my relation to the divine how do i role play my knowledge of the arcane I've got muscles, I hit things. Yep. Uh, and and either they have uh, no subtle tricks, or, or either they have no tricks, right? They just hit things. Or they have a couple tricks that work almost all the time. Yep. Like trip. Almost everything can be tripped, right? You're, you're not in third edition worrying about what can't be critical is the rogue, and how do I get in the right position for this extra damage that makes me worthwhile, right? You're, you're just using those uh, maneuver dice, right, against everything all the time. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you are immune to bullets all day, every day. That is the trick you do. Absolutely. And that's what makes him cool, because the fighter can do some really cool, really useful things. And that's where playing a fighter gains a a depth, gains some tactical fun choices, because even though I'm playing a fighter, I can play a fighter a hundred different ways. I can be the meat shield who's immune to bullets with a giant gun. I could be the very skilled sniper on the roof, whether I'm sniping with a bow and arrow or a rifle or a laser gun. Uh, I can be the quick-footed, agile, dodge in and out of combat, striking when the moment is perfect. I can be the ballroom brawler, picking up a chair, smashing over my foe's head while I make a, a snappy comment and down some ale. I'm always a fighter, but I can choose how I'm fighting. And and uh, it doesn't restrict your friends, right? Uh, Matthew can play a campaign that's all basically fighters with a few levels of bard or a few levels of sorcerer or a couple levels of something else. But if everyone's a werewolf, you're all fighter and, and that's fine. No one's stepping on each other's toes. And there's always that concept of experimenting with a party in a campaign where you all play a single class. Uh, this is something that has... Uh, always existed in role-playing games if we go back to old school role-playing games on on video games old nintendo old super nintendo Mm -hmm. and you could choose that uh fighter rogue white mage black mage kind of class i don't want to mention the specific game that that was in because you know it might be trademarked uh but you always could play around with well what happens if i pick all white mages what happens if I pick all fighters? That concept hasn't gone away. In tabletop role-playing games, you can say, well, let's play an, an all-bard campaign. Let's play an all-wizard campaign. It's always challenging. With fighters, I think it's real easy because you're not worried about dying. You're just 
focused on doing what you do best and having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, since Dungeons and Dragons or any typical D20 high fantasy based system is typically focused on combat and war simulation, most of the game is fighting things and surviving. Mm-hmm. That's what a fighter is by definition. You fight and you survive. So if you want to do something weird and you're all fighters, but you play around with the backgrounds in 5th edition. So you have a fighter that was trained in a temple. You have a fighter that was trained in a noble court. You have a fighter that grew up uh, in the rough and tumble street urchin world. You can do that. You can all still be very vibrant, different characters. And even though you're doing the same thing, you're doing it in your own unique style. You're all you're doing it differently. And and if we go back to older editions of Dungeons and Dragons, where you had an infinite number of choices for how you swung a sword and hit things, it was even more possible to do this in a more entertaining way. So uh, I I think if we want to wrap this up today, put a bow on it. Fighters are focused, but still have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of good ways to have fun with something that is typically, stereotypically even, I stand here and hit things. Yes. Agree. So there we go. That uh, that was our first episode of Detention here. And uh, I think it is safe to say, class dismissed. Yay, recess. No more school. No more school <laughs> and no more books. No more no teachers. More teachers dirty looks. looks. Da, 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 da. We should quit our day jobs. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we should. And if you'd like to help us do that, it's <laughs> patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. Academy. <laughs> and if you want to find us on iTunes, j- oh. too soon, man. Too, too, oh. too soon. Oh. <laughs> Please, for all five star reviews, uh, put them on Google write Play. It on a, <laughs> write it. Write it on a piece of paper. And put it in the mailbox and send it. Self-addressed stamped envelope. Care of iTunes. <laughs> Coppertino, California. <laughs> care of Vultureland, Ohio. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash vrpgacademy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. 
We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.